1: streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen Furst. Well,
2: I am very excited today on Kidney Talk because we have a subject that's very near and dear to my heart, uh, art. I love art. I love anything that's creative. And today we have Rachel Schreiber with us. Uh, She also has a transplant, and she's going to talk to us today about art therapy. So welcome to the show, Rachel.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Lori.
1: So I want to start off by saying, what is art therapy?
0: What is art therapy? I hear this question all the time. So art therapy is an expressive therapy. You've probably heard of music therapy, dance therapy. Art therapy is using, using the visual arts. So that's using paint, clay, fabric, and drawing with patients to help them enhance their well-being and achieve some of their personal goals. Um, there are really two types of art therapy. There's a clinical art therapy, and there's a non-clinical art therapy. So clinical art therapy is a form that is used in conjunction with psychotherapy. So clinicians might use clinical art therapy in a psychiatric setting and use um, cognitive behavioral techniques and counseling techniques. And then there's a non-clinical art therapy, which is really an art-as-therapy approach. And that's using art with a patient purely for self-expression, connection, things like flow, um, using art in a therapeutic manner, but not in a, in a clinical sense. And art therapists work in a lot of different settings. They work in mental health agencies, schools, hospitals, and private practices, and they work with all different ages. So when you think of art therapy, you might think of working with children, but actually art therapists work with children, adolescents, adults, and seniors.
1: Really?
2: Well, we're really excited because uh, Rachel's going to be doing some projects with patients in a dialysis facility, and then she's going to be sharing some of the work that she does on our website. So, tell us specifically, what, like when you go into a dialysis facility, how would you work with different patients um, and art therapy? How do you
1: incorporate that? Yeah, I mean, let's say I'm on dialysis and I'm in the in there, and and I say, and I say to you or I say to the social worker, I'm depressed about being on dialysis. What would you come in with? Watercolors? Clay?
0: Well, that's a good question. Um, certainly a part of a part of an art therapist's background and training is to understand what materials or projects would work best for um, different diagnoses. Um, the, the format of the Art Therapy Dialysis Project, which is what the project is going to be that I'm partnering with Renal Support Network for, is a non-clinical approach to art therapy. So if, if there's a patient who has... Depression from um, different life events or dialysis. My goal is not to go in there and, um, and work with the diagnosis, but it's really to use um, different types of projects in a workshop format that are focused on um, resilience, things like hope, um, positive approaches to illness, post-traumatic growth, um, and creativity and self-expression. So I'll give you a couple of examples of projects I have coming up. We're going to be doing an affirmation shadow box project. So I'll be going into the dialysis unit, and all of the patients who want to participate will get to participate in this workshop. And they'll have the opportunity to make a shadow box that has an affirmation. So they'll be given different collage materials like patterned paper, beads, magazine images, um, flowers, shells. And I'll ask the patients to pick one word that inspires you. So just pick one word that you can use as an affirmation for your, that's going to be your inspiration today. And they'll create a shadow box that has that one word um, central to the shadow box. And we might display it in the unit, or they might take it home. And at the end of the workshop, after they've made these beautiful shadow boxes, I would have all the patients share them and talk. maybe try to talk a little bit about their experiences. Um, although that part of... Of sharing and processing can be difficult to do in a dialysis unit
2: now what what would be a, an example of a word what would be your one word that would inspire you Stephen?
1: oh me oh me oh i, I you know you caught me off guard there I, I i don't i would have to think about it
2: didn't we do something well i guess if you're waiting for a kidney it could be kidney if you're broke it could be money um, or, you know, it could be just hope, or it could be maybe a name of your granddaughter or something.
1: But remember we did a project, you and I, where oh, people were saying one word?
2: Yeah, you, basically one word to describe you. Basically, what right. is that one word? And you called me bombastic.
1: Bombastic, right? <laughs> now, you know, So, and this, is, this helps people mentally? Or?
0: Absolutely. Um, the goal is really to, to get some creativity going. And any creativity is going to, I think, increase happiness in someone's life. It's going to give them an outlet for self-expression. There's been a lot of research out there about how increasing um, self-expression, positive emotions, coping, social support, these things can have not only an effect on us emotionally but also biologically. So they can also be helping with um, stress reduction, which has a big effect on illness.
2: Well, you know, I created my own art project when I was uh, on dialysis. And, you know, I still have my own art project going on, but I love buttons. And so sometimes what I do is I just take out the buttons and I sort them in colors. And it just gets my mind off of everything. Then I eventually turn those buttons into a bracelet. But it's just so therapeutic because it makes you forget it, it takes your mind off of your problems. It gets you basically focused on something positive as opposed to turning on the TV and watching Jerry Springer or CNN, all hey, the doom hey, and hey, gloom. Hey, hey, hey. I love and that stuff. <laughs> and and it, it, it makes you feel a sense of accomplishment when you're finished.
0: Definitely. And that's a great point, Lori. I think the distraction piece is huge because this is during a time when people are getting treatment. So anything that is going to distract them from what they're experiencing, um, a lot of times people on dialysis are experiencing discomfort, boredom, um, feelings of depression or anxiety. So to be doing something that not only is exciting while they're doing it, like you're talking about, but also it creates, it transforms the environment. So no longer is going into dialysis such a dreaded thing, um, which it can be for some people, or it can be boring. It can be a place of excitement and a place of enrichment and creativity.
1: And, and But the only thing is you have to create this art with one arm, right?
0: Well, you don't. Um, so when I was in my graduate program for art therapy, I had the opportunity to create an internship at a dialysis unit. So I, I did get the experience of working for a year with people on dialysis, and I learned that it's a very individual thing. So that's a big piece of this is being able to um, – give each person one-on-one attention and help with their project, so really circulating around the unit. And there may be some people who can use both hands, and um, the access site might not get in the way of making the art project, but there may be some who, like you're saying, could only use one hand, and it might be the non-dominant hand. So it's mm-hmm. definitely there are going to be challenges, but I think working together is going to be the key. And I know that a lot of dialysis technicians, the staff there, they want to get involved and they want to help patients with this, and it creates a whole feeling of community inside the unit. So, um, another piece of this is is to pick projects that a, that a person experiencing dialysis would be able to do. So, I have to also consider if someone um, doesn't have great fine motor skills because they have some loss of feeling in their fingertips, or you know they can't use their dominant hand. So, to tailor projects that work for this type of setting as well as a big part of the plan. I
2: think that's an interesting point that you say it brings a sense of community uh, in the dialysis facility because I bet you the staff really enjoy seeing the patient doing something positive. And, you know, they get to come over and comment and say, oh, I like that. It probably uh, creates a relationship on a different level with the staff and the patient.
0: Absolutely, it does. Um, I think, again, it just tr- kind of transforms that space from being something that is only about dialysis, to being something that is um, that people are looking forward to and excited to be part of. And during my internship, I was able to also do a group with the dialysis staff, and I had them doing art therapy and talking about their experiences of working with patients, um, because there is a lot of vicarious trauma that comes with working with people who are really sick or dying. And that was an amazing experience also. So I think it's something that it definitely benefits the staff, it benefits the patients, it benefits the unit.
2: Now, what did it take to become an art therapist? I mean, you graduated from George Washington University, which, you know, that sounds pretty amazing, Rachel. (laughs) I just say I graduated from George Washington University. Uh, What did you have to do to become an art therapist?
0: Well, art therapy is a master's level profession. So you you have to get your master's degree to, to call yourself an art therapist. Um, there's a credentialing board, the ATCB. So in a graduate program, and as you mentioned, I, got, I did my master's at George Washington, which is an incredible program. Um, the requirement is a practicum, which is an in- internship. So you do 900 hours of internship work at different sites. So you get the exposure to working with children, adults. You work in a clinical setting, a non-clinical setting, um, people with all types of backgrounds and all types of different Issues in their lives that you're working on. So You do that internship, which is the whole time, the whole duration of your program, which is two years. And then you also take courses in art therapy subjects, which includes counseling, things like human development, trauma, studio based art therapy. We had an elective that was medical art therapy, which of course was one of my favorite classes. Um, and so you complete the graduate program and then you can go on and, and get your. Uh, registration, and your board certification if you want to. And we also have associations and member organizations. So one resource if you want to learn more about art therapy and and the educational aspect of it as well, the International Art Therapy Organization, that's internationalarttherapy.org, they're a great website to learn more about art therapy. Um, And then I'll also say that while I did get my master's and it was a fantastic program, there are many people that use art therapeutically with patients in programs across the country. Um, there are a lot of arts and medicine programs where resident artists come into hospitals and volunteers, and they do fantastic work with patients, even though they don't have an art therapy degree. Um, so either way you go, I, I think that it's the art in and of itself that is really healing, but definitely the my graduate program prepared me for this type of work, and I'm, I'm happy that I went
1: through it. Now, that. when you started uh, doing this and got interested in this, were you an artist? Before, did you paint? Did you sculpt?
0: Yes. So I've, I have been a lifelong artist and have always um, I've always done drawing, painting, collage, photography, a lot of different modalities. And I was working at the Smithsonian. I was working for the Hirschhorn Museum, which is a contemporary art museum in communications. So I knew I wanted to do something with art, but I didn't quite know how or what to do. Um, and... The part of my story that really connects me to this issue is in 2006 I was hospitalized with high blood pressure and I had never had a medical incident before. Um, I was a healthy person through my life and was pretty suddenly hospitalized with high blood pressure and after a week in the hospital and coming out and having a biopsy, I found out I was in kidney failure and I learned that I have an autoimmune disease called IGA nephropathy. And my identical twin sister, if you can believe the odds, I have an identical twin sister, Stephanie, she donated a kidney to me September 14, 2006, and I learned about the waiting list. I I didn't have to go through dialysis because I had a twin donor, but when I learned about the waiting list and more than 100,000 people who are waiting for kidneys for this gift that I'd just been given, I was um, really compelled to take action and I learned about art therapy and being a lifelong artist. I just knew then and there that what I wanted to do was create a program, an art therapy program for patients on dialysis, and that's been my aim ever since.
2: One of the things I think is fascinating is that since your donor was your twin sister, you don't have to take any immunosuppressant drugs, right?
0: That's right. So as you know, the first kidney transplant was done with identical twins um, in the 1950s. So yeah, Stephanie's my twin, and I don't take any immunosuppression, and I haven't for about four years.
1: Now, is she an artist as well?
0: She's not an artist. Um, we are, we are kind of mirror twins. So I think that, um, you know, she's a great artist when she wants to be, but she doesn't choose to make it a huge part of her life as much as I do.
1: Huh? How interesting. Not
2: interesting. Wouldn't it be neat to have a identical twin that would be willing to donate a kidney? Well,
1: there's <laughs> a movie like that, you know, uh, or where they the parents decided to have another child to save the other child. Let me
2: guess. My Sister's Keeper.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. What an amazing movie that okay. was.
2: And you did a great job of producing it, Stephen. Thank you. Although I didn't like the ending. Okay. I know.
1: <laughs> but so, you know, um if I wanted to become an art therapist, uh, I, I already have a master's in marriage, family, and child counseling. Is there just like a little course I could take to get that certification, too? Or I wouldn't have to do the 900 hours after I've done 3,000 hours, would I?
0: To get – so art therapy is um, – it's it's not regulated. So anyone can say I'm doing art therapy, and you can't get in legal trouble for saying well, that. Well, I mean, like, I
1: tried to say I was a brain surgeon, too, but right. it, they didn't <laughs> like that.
0: <laughs> but um, to get the ATRBC, you – and again, I, I would go to the ATRBC credentialing website to find out about this, but I do know because it's an allied profession, there is there is a way to do, if you do a master's degree in something like social work, family and marriage counseling, um, psychology, any of these allied professions, you can tack on an internship aspect and, and some graduate courses and get your um, registration and board certification and work as an art therapist. And then many counselors choose to take art therapy as um, as classes that just inform their practice, and they use art in their practice. They might, not be, they might not have a graduate program in art therapy, but a lot of counselors use art in their practice.
1: How many people are resistant to it? You go to a dialysis unit, and there's 20 patients. What if somebody says, you know, this isn't for me, I don't want it, and, you know, that kind of thing?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, because when I, when I went to the unit that I did my internship in, I, um, this is a group of people who probably haven't, hadn't made art in, in decades. A lot of the people at this unit were seniors, um, and I came in with trays and a cart of art materials, and people were saying, who's this art lady? But I really found that when I, when I approached a patient one-on-one and I talked to them about what art therapy was, I was amazed that almost all of the patients I spoke to wanted to give it a shot. And even the patients who I thought would, would surely resist this type of thing, they were open to trying it and they found, um, in the process, they found themselves having fun. So there were definitely maybe one or two patients who opted out of it, certainly, but overall, uh, most patients who have the opportunity to do something that looks engaging or looks fun during dialysis will take it, and especially if they see other people in the unit doing it as well. So I didn't find that to be um, a big challenge.
2: So, what are some of the projects that you have done, and do you have any stories to tell us about a patient that it really made a difference in their lives?
1: You know, like created something special with you know needles and catheters and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: a great idea. Normalizing, um, normalizing medical. I
1: used to do macaroni. You know how you glued macaroni? <laughs> yes.
0: You know, what if yes. you just glued dialysis supplies? I, I wonder if there's an artist out there doing that.
2: Well, you know, many years ago, uh, they took little vials from, um, it was, it's the drug called Epigen, and they basically made art out of it. And I actually had made a project with all the vials, and it made it like a wheel, but, it, you know, you, you, you can do some great stuff if you have a lot of materials and you just make a repetition of that same material and make a design.
1: Well, people do it all the time. I've seen art made out of hubcaps and art out of bottle tops. You know, I've, I've seen art like that.
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, fun. So uh, so tell us about a project that yeah. you did in a unit.
1: Well, when
0: I think about this, um, I, I have worked with so many courageous and creative patients. I think about one patient who she was an African-American lady in her 60s and she had diabetes and she had had some really debilitating consequences of her illness. She had had both of her legs amputated and she had glaucoma and there was a question as to whether she would lose her vision and she had been on dialysis for more than a decade. So it's, um, and I'm talking about this patient because when I think of her, it's not really the projects that were so stunning and aesthetically pleasing but it was really that she was able to share her story and have a witness to her story, and I think that that made a huge impact on her life. Um, Some of the projects that we worked on, a lot of them, she definitely used art to to talk about some of the traumatic things that had happened in her life, but most of them were about resilience. So she used um, cardstock and watercolor, and she created a life storybook where she kind of... um, did pictures about her happiest moments, and focused on some things in her life that she was grateful for. Um, She made a gift for her son. She made a collage for her son. He was a really important person in her life, and we talked about what social support was and how that can affect illness. And another thing that she did, she had struggled with compliance a lot when it came to fluid restriction. So her had talked to me about this and said if there's any way you can incorporate compliance into what you do with her that would be great so i brought it up to her and she said we talked a little bit about it and she she came up with the metaphor of watering plants too much she was a gardener and she loved flowers and would paint flowers that was something that brought her happiness while we were working together so she made a compliance card and it was um just a small small index card that had a watercolor picture of flowers and a water bucket. And it was her visual reminder of what happened when she drank too much fluid. And she carried it around in her purse with her. And if she needed to remind herself of compliance, she'd pull it out and look at it. Um, and the two things that she said to me when I left that really struck me, she said, thanks for listening to me, which to me says that she had so many things to share, so many um, rich stories to share about her life, the challenges and the triumphs. and. To be able to express those things was really, again, impactful for her. And then she also said, I never I knew I could do any of that. And she was really talking about all of these art projects that we did together. We used everything from clay to watercolor to poetry to drawing to painting, um, things that she hadn't done in decades. So that's one patient I certainly think about um, when I think about my experience. And another another project I think of is a group project I did with um, about four or five patients in the unit and they did a large watercolor piece so I had them circulate the piece around the unit and each day a different patient would take it and work on it and build on it and build on it and it again kind of changed the climate of dialysis, they were excited to work on it, they were looking forward to it and when they were finished they had this beautiful finished watercolor piece that we hung in the lobby so it also added that aesthetic element to um, to an otherwise kind of uh, minimal lobby, minimal lobby that needed some artwork there.
2: Well, you know what's interesting. It is a strong visual of you know I'm somebody who's known to overwater their plants, and uh, you know that's basically what you do if you don't um, if you drink too much fluid, you're you're killing yourself just like you're killing your plant. And so to have that visual for her if she drank too much fluid is it's a pretty powerful visual.
1: Have you ever tried the Miracle Grow Moisture Control? I haven't. It's so, it's good. It, it it regulates even if you you can't overwater and you can't underwater.
2: Oh, I need to get that. I yeah. wish they could make a version of that for dialysis, don't you?
1: I know. <laughs> I that's one thing when I was on dialysis, I hated the most was the fluid restrictions, you know. I just hated that.
2: Well, Rachel, this sounds like such an incredible project. I mean, it's uh, um, we're really excited, Renal Support Network, that you're going to be sharing your different projects every month with uh, the community through our website. And um, I can't wait to see some of the pictures and hear some of the yeah. stories. I Can mean, we post that? Yeah, we're going to post it on our website. You know, like
1: uh, once a month, like, you know, art of the week, art yes. of the month or and something and if like you want to
2: paint something, I'll post that too, Stephen. Oh,
1: I'm not, you know, I, are people intimidated? That, oh, I'm not a good artist or anything or
0: sometimes i definitely hear that a lot and what i say to that is um and this was a paradigm shift for me when i went to school for art therapy this is not art class this is not about learning how to make something and mastering a technique it's about self-expression so you can't do anything wrong Mm
1: -hmm. and it, it
0: does not matter what it looks like this is really about having fun being creative and and expressing something that you want to express and I think that when you say that to a patient, it really alleviates their fears about
1: being judged. So you don't, you don't critique their work afterwards?
0: Definitely not. And again, that goes back to the, the clinical or the non-clinical. In a clinical setting, you might sit with a patient and have them look at their artwork and really dive into kind of the psycho psychotherapy, psychodynamic aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But in this setting, it's, it's really more about... Um, creating a piece and owning it yourself so it's not my position to look at it and
1: tell them what it means i wish they did a, like, a cooking class in the dialysis unit or something like <laughs> well they that. do it
2: in the break room they're making popcorn all the time it makes you crazy yeah
1: but that's <laughs> different you know just have the patients cook something that's yeah. that's a that's <laughs> kind of like my art I, yeah I love, well
2: you have to, to do that i mean that would be hard to do sitting there um you know making food when you're in the chair, but anyways, well, Rachel, thank you so much for being on Kidney Talk. We look forward to hearing all about your projects and seeing some of the pictures. And thank you so much for the great work that you're doing to help people on dialysis.
0: Thank you so much for this opportunity, and I am so excited to post the video and the photos on the on the website. And I hope that patients from home can go on the website and and maybe try some of these out in their units or in their homes. So. Thanks for supporting me, and I'm looking forward to sharing, sharing the workshops with
1: you. Yeah, I can't wait to see the pictures. It sounds, sounds wonderful. Absolutely great. Thank you. It will be. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health
0: and ask questions about our medical options.
1: We can form partnerships with our healthcare team.
0: We can take steps towards self-improvement.
1: We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams.
2: We can make a
1: difference.